Greetings, Honorable Better Brother. Brother, today is the day we talk about the unwashed. Yes, the great unwashed Legion and yes. the great stink boy Primarch Mortarian. Yes, yes. Mortarian. So, Primarch of the unwashed. Primarch of the unwashed. Oh, known, known by his one of his many names, Mortarian. And uh, the Pale King, Reaper of Men, and Stank Dick Morty. Yep, that's the one. Yes. Stank Dick Morty is the 14th son of the Emperor, mm -hmm. uh, and Primarch of the Death Guard, in case that wasn't self-evident. Yes. Uh, I was just talking to Anisius prior to the recording that the entire Horus Heresy series, 54 books total before the Siege of Terror, they waited until book number 54 to talk about Mortarian. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which is very emblematic of how Mortarian is treated by the Emperor and by the other Primarchs. <laughs> GW spinning a meta-narrative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, that being said, the Death Guard is one of the most interesting legions in my opinion. Uh, so, let's start off with Mortarian's childhood. He was raised on the planet Barbarus, which was essentially a, a Nurgle demon world. Yes. Uh, his stepfather, uh, Nakare, was yes. essentially a demon prince of Nurgle. Yes. Who was described as a uh, bloated necromancer. Yes. So his father, large warlock man. Yes. Uh, would literally bring things back from the dead and make, like, animated... They, yes. They'd, like, reanimate bodies and, like, stitch them together to make, like, yes. weird... Mich weird, like, hybrid human centipedes yes. of war. Very interesting... Yes. ...strategy. As uh, we talk, I want you, the listener, to imagine, like... A, for those of you who aren't familiar with metal like I am... Something that sound like um like there's a genre of metal called gore grind. Its whole purpose is to be violent and disgusting. That's what this is. Yes, yeah, just have infinite like infinilator or um guttural slug play in the background of this podcast. As yeah, we do this, it for will those make of sense. you who know what that is, <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't, look it up. Play it at maximum volume. Ensure that your neighbors can hear you. Yeah, and maybe call the police on you. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mortarian uh, was named Mortarian, uh, meaning child of death. His name actually has a Latin orientation, a Latin uh, origination. Uh, Mors meaning death in Latin. Um, yes. So he is the death bringer, the lord of death, um, which is fitting because he carries around a massive scythe like the fucking Grim Reaper. Yes, theming. Yeah, very. Uh, so eventually Mortarian would break away from his stepfather Nakare and find the people on Barbarus who lived in like the valleys where like the noxious fumes and the, the gas of the world wasn't so corrosive and toxic so uh -huh. obviously the further down in elevation you go the less dense this kind of thick fog is this poisonous fog uh -huh. and that's where the actual people the humans of the world lived fun fact Mortarian was found by Nakare after this giant, after the battle that made him grand ruler of the planet. Yes. The grand, Nakare found a baby crying and wheezing at a point where no normal human could survive because of the poisonous gases of Barbarus. He found this baby and instead of stabbing it like a sane and rational demon, demon necromancer, uh, he then decided to give it a giant mansion. Yeah. Because, yep. you know, what else do you do with a giant, a baby that is capable of surviving in tear gas? Yeah, it's reasonable, I guess. And it's very obviously from a young age, he wanted to use Martarion uh, as a warlord on his, yes. uh, for his new kind of empire that he established. Yes. Uh, it is, once he kind of broke off from that and he sort of declared war against his father, he found these other people and he started training them in the ways of warfare. Uh, it is said in the buried dagger, most of this information comes from the buried dagger, the, the last book in the Horus Heresy, um, that he was uh, with a group of farmers 
uh, on Barbarus in the lower valleys when Nakari sent basically scouts to find Mortarion uh, uh-huh. and bring him home. And when the scouts found the uh, the people of the village, they started killing them. So Mortarion yes. took a scythe, yes. a reaper's scythe, and cut yes. them down, and it became his favorite weapon. Uh, ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah. He used no other weapons ever again. Except his uh, his plasma pistol lantern, I think it's called. Silence is the scythe, and lantern is the gun. Yes. <laughs> which would eventually become his, 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 uh, his kit. Um, yes. But it is after this engagement, he meets uh, a man by the name of Callus uh, Typhon. Yes. And Typhon is going to become important to the uh, overall narrative yes. of the Death Guard. It is po- important that we mention now that Callus Typhon is a psyker. Yes, Callus Typhon is a psyker. But nobody knew about this. Nobody. Because Except Mortarion. Oh, I thought he didn't know. No, he knew. And we'll get to why it became a problem in their relationship. Okay. Right. Well, we can talk about that now because the world is run by a... If you live in a world where the current dictator is a horrible stank wizard who <laughs> yeah. uses the bodies of the of people you kill and people you don't kill to effectively wage war and assert his dominance over everyone, it makes sense that no one would like wizards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where the disdain Mortarian has for psychers comes from. Yes. Uh, and the fact that Callus Typhon, who would... A little, we're advancing the story a little bit. Callus Typhon eventually becomes the first captain of the Death Guard Legion. Uh, yes. He also, up until about Nikea, was the chief librarian of the Death Guard Legion. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, afterwards, so Mortarion brings about these farmers and ragtag peasants to form an army to fight yes. the overlords, to fight Nakari and his other weird necromancer yes. kill ilk um yes. and it is at this time he names him the death guard his death yes. guard yes um and he leads them to battle against nikare and the other warlords and they are winning they slowly yes. build this qu- sort of like resistance army and they kill all of the overlords except nikare whose fortress is on literally the highest mountain range on the planet where, yes. the, where the fog was so thick only Nikare could could bear it, could survive it yes. also, at this point Mortarian so if you look at Art of Mortarian you see he has from the very beginning he has like a mask yes. and then as he progresses he gets more armor and head, he gets like fallout looking it looks like yeah, Fallout very, power armor. It does with yep. his giant fucking scythe. So, as he and his Death Guard became more and more powerful, he somehow, having knowledge of both toxicology, the basics of human biomechanics, and how to make rubber on this agricultural yep. planet, um, created armored hazmat suits for his dudes which is very impressive it shows a, yes. a an engineering uh a, a knowledge of engineering mechanics yes engineering mechanics and chemistry and because chemistry you need, yeah yeah the science of that is incredible it's fairly it's there's a lot of stuff having to do with like you take the air in you put it through various filters that are both physical to trap those solid parts and chemical to neutralize various gases and stuff but it shows a very keen attention to all to a lot of to both engineering and biochemical procedures. However, the armies, the peasant army of the Death Guard, as they survived and campaigned higher and higher up, they gained a natural immunity to it, to the poison gases, the higher and higher they went. So that means that even without their even without their breathing suits, they could survive at all past a certain height. Because right. there comes a point where your breathing suit just stops working because yeah. the acid corrodes its way through everything. Exactly. Because this, the stuff, the stank ass that does not, that permeates this air is not regular stank. It is right. magical stank. Magic. Yes, which is the worst kind. Uh, eventually, um, just Nakari was remaining, mm-hmm. and it is around this time that the Emperor arrives. Yes. Uh, just referred to as the Stranger, at the time, yes. uh, he basically offers uh, Mortarion the. He basically makes a, a deal with Mortarion, 
essentially saying that because Martarian was a stubborn little bitch at this time. Uh, he never really stopped being one, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, he said, "I will challenge you to essentially a race. Whoever gets to Nakare first and kills him, the other one will have to bend the knee to." So it's essentially a race to see who gets Nakari first, and whoever the winner is becomes, you know... Big important man. Big important man. Uh, so Mortarian says, you know, F fuck you, and takes off. Uh, against the heeding of Callus Typhon and the rest of the Death Guard, um, who are saying to Mortarian, your suit cannot survive that high of an altitude, you're gonna fucking die. Yes. Mortarian... Mortarian's philosophy, as we've learned... I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, you're Mortarian's good. philosophy... And this is going to come up again throughout this throughout the episode. Mortarians, every Primarch has their own personal philosophy that extends into their legion. Mortarian's philosophy was dogged stubbornness. Yes. Which is basically just if I survive, if I win this fight, I, I win this fight, then I win. If I lose this fight, I'm going to survive and I'm going to try again tomorrow and I'm going to keep trying until you die. Which becomes the battle philosophy of the Death Guard. Yes. So uh, Mortarian's thought process was, even if I don't make it, even if I almost die, I'm going to come back and I'm going to try again. Exactly. The Emperor, of course, was like, that's fucking stupid. And then he showed up and he cut um, Nakaris in half. Not until Mortarian made it all the way up there. He climbed the, the fucking mountain range by hand, made it all the way up to Nakaris, the doors of Nakaris palace, and then he collapsed. Right. Right at the threshold. And Nakari steps out there and is about to kill Mortarion when all of a sudden the stranger, revealing himself to be the Emperor of Mankind and 16-foot-tall golden power armor and a goddamn flaming sword, cuts Nakari in half. Uh, yep. <laughs> Mortarion felt that that was a kill steal, and it is. Would, would never forgive the Emperor, <laughs> ever. It is. Kill-stealing... Most of you who are here are here because you enjoy the nerd media yes. in some form or another, which includes video games. Yes. Kill stealing is one of an is an unpardonable sin. Yeah, I agree. It is disgusting. Agreed. And kill stealing after all of that is even worse. Yeah. And then the emperor after that is just like, ha ha, Mortarian, I saved you. Now you work for me. Yep. And Mortarian is just having like the world's, the universe's worst asthma attack, and just lay on the ground. I hacked him! <laughs> no, you didn't. Get up, you silly. I'm gonna introduce you to your legion now. Yes, and so he was introduced to the Dusk Raiders. Yes. The Dusk Raiders, uh, mostly Terran born, like all the other originating Space Marine legions, prior yes. to uni reunification with their Primarchs. Yep. Um, the Dusk Raiders were a, um, sort of very similar to what the Death Guard would be. The yes. Dusk Raiders had a philosophy of uh, relentless and unstoppable assault. So mm -hmm. literally like lining up like, um, so their name literally comes from a Albion tradition. Albia meaning, you know, Northwestern Europe region after- So not Europe. Britain. Not Britain. Um, okay. Space, not Britain. Um, okay. Where they would literally wait until dusk and then that's when they would begin their assault. Uh, uh, they would literally just walk forward, <laughs> pressing W the whole time, just <laughs> trying to get to the objective and kill the enemy. That's regardless of losses, regardless of everything. That's their They just philosophy. play Dark Souls. Exactly. They play Dark Souls. Yes, exactly. So um, these are British. Yeah, so does, They're British, so does that mean that they all, because they're British and their leader is the king of smog and trash, does that mean that they all just sound like scratchy, they all have like very scratchy Cobra Commander as a Cockney punk voices? <laughs> I never pictured that, but now that you said that, I never will not see that. Because they're from Albia, which it yeah. says, according to the Lexicanum, is the general region of Britain. Yeah. And apparently they had these things, towering soot black into castrum cities, which are just like, Vic which they describe as the industrial cities of Victorian England. Yeah. So that means that the, du the Dusk Raiders... We're effectively just the Peaky Blinders, but in space. <laughs> space Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Builder of the Dusk Raiders. Yeah. That's it. That's the joke. That's the joke. That's the bit. That's the bit. I um, will not do this bit again until I have to. Once <laughs> he was reunited with the Dusk Raiders, 
he called them all the meeting and he reorganized the entire legion once he stepped in obviously uh but he said uh upon meeting them all you are my unbroken blades you are the death guard yes. and so they would be renamed the death guard uh the um structure of the death guard is a very interesting one um so we uh-huh. talked about Mortarian's disdain for psychers, for wizardry of any kind, sorcery, yes. witchcraft. Witchcraft is literally what he calls it. Yes. Um, because that is what he heard growing up exactly. as a literal peasant of a medieval hell world. However, despite his disdain for witchcraft, he was a very superstitious individual, mm-hmm. almost neurotically. As a um, lot of medieval peasants were. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, so much so that he... The number seven was considered sacred to um, both the Death Guard and to Mortarian. Uh-huh. So much so that he would only have seven bodyguards. The Death Shroud would would uh, be a member of seven elite Terminators uh-huh. who only walked within multiples of seven paces from him. <laughs> so they were only with they were only ever forty nine paces from him, uh-huh. and very like weirdly like neurotically seven attributed there was only uh-huh. seven grand companies of the death guard so wow like the ultramarines had like 10 chapters and each chapter contained you know 10 companies or whatever they were very uh-huh. rigid um the death guard had seven companies period they every legionnaire was given a bolter a combat blade and uh that was it there was uh-huh. no special weapons there was no attack but there was no weird assault echelons that was it every legionnaire was given the same thing there was no ranking besides three ranks three honorific titles that were given to the um the death guard legionnaires there was the 7th the 14th and the 21st no there was one (laughs) two and seven huh (laughs) callus typhon was the first captain Uh uh-huh Ignatius Grolgor was the second captain, the title of commander, and uh, Nathaniel Garrow was the seventh com- the seventh captain, given the title battle captain. Ah. Uh, that was it. Those were the only those were the only honorifics uh, on the entire Death Guard Legion. <laughs> so one of them is there's it's not even like they have seven really big companies. One, two, and seven. Yeah. Like not even one through seven. One, two, seven. So there was there was seven whole companies, but yeah, those, there were seven companies. The only important companies. members of those seven companies, there was three of them. One, two, and seven. <laughs> one, two, and seven. <laughs> Which is odd. Very odd. So continuing Isn't on seven sacred to Nurgle? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It's, so it's this was before yes. Nurgle. Exactly. This was before Nurgle, but you see the seeping yeah. in. You, you know yeah. it's coming. From the very beginning. From the very beginning, they were doomed. Uh-huh. Um, so, continuing on, the Great Crusade happened. Funny enough, the only two Primarchs Mortarian liked were Horus, obviously, because everybody um, liked Horus, yes. and fucking Conrad Kurz. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Weird. You are all so pallid and smell strange. I like you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how many of their conversations went. (laughs) Uh, So another important event before the heresy would kick off, uh, obviously, was the Council of Nikea. Yes. Mortarian was one of the perpetrating... Um, members of the War Council, the, the made up the body of Primarchs, who was very distrustful of witchcraft and librariuses and uh, warp controlling or manipulation in general. Uh-huh. So he was one of the uh, opposing members of the trial of Magnus the Red. Right. And obviously, he won the trial because the burning of Prospero happens, which we'll talk about next time. Um, uh-huh. But essentially, Mortarian is the reason why li- the Librarius was stricken off from the uh, the arsenal of the Adeptus Astartes. Right. Uh, and Callus Typhon, while being a psyker, um, didn't enjoy that. 
Yeah. Because, again, he was magical. <laughs> he was magical. And he, he was uh, suppressing that for a yes. time, for, for a period of time. Yes. Um, not a long time, but for a period of time. Yes. So the heresy would kick off. Mortarian would align with Horus, um, mainly because he saw the Emperor as a hypocrite. Yes. Uh, a witchcraft-utilizing hypocrite. Yep. Which is ironic, and we'll talk about that irony and how it comes about later. Right. Um, so, eventually... Isfan 3, the Isfan 3 atrocity happens. Yes. Almost the entirety of the seventh company at this point, under Nathaniel Garrow, were Terranborn. Yes. Most of the Terranborn recruits died off as, you know, a thousand years have passed, so it's yes. only natural. Most of the new recruits came from Barbarous, so they held the traditions of the Barbarous, the Barbaran people. Yes. Uh, which it, was of the what, barbarians, if you will. If, the, if you will. Um... <laughs> So most of the, the Terranborn were under Nathaniel Garrow, who was also Terranborn. Uh-huh. The distinction between the Terrans and the Barbaran peoples were dramatic at this point. Yes. We can assume that all of the Barbarans in some way, shape, or form were either directly led by, uh, by Mortarian or had family... <clears throat> who were led by Mortarian yes. and had heard of Mortarian because exactly. Mortarian is a hero yeah. to these he killed the wizard Mortarian is the, Mortarian is the hero the liberator of our planet so on and so forth so it stands to reason that a lot of these people would adopt Mortarian's philosophy if not just be more be more smaller Mortarians because of the conditions of their planet absolutely in general the barbaran people were very pallid. They look like Darth Vader without the helmet, basically. Yes, they're very pale, gray, and yes. not healthy looking. Y yes, they were also, a lot of them, I assume, because of the horror, the nature of their planet, if exposed to too high of an oxygen content, which is above the bare minimum needed to survive as a human, I assume they just go into, like, horrible asthma attacks. I would assume, yeah. Like what happens to someone who lives in Jersey after they breathe somewhere that doesn't smell like battery acid. That's exactly what happened to me, yeah. <laughs> so, now we're talking about this fan 3 and the atrocity that happened there. We'll talk uh -huh. about Nathaniel Garrow. Yes. Uh, Nathaniel Garrow is one of the most interesting members of the Death Guard Legion. Um, he is one of the few commanders of the Death Guard Legion that weren't fanatically loyal to Mortarion, uh -huh. mostly because he didn't come from Barbarous. Right. Like you're saying, everybody knew Mortarion. Mortarion was a hero. Yeah. So, like, Thurun Rask and fucking Grolgor, Calphus, Callus Typhon, they all knew Mortarion because they fought with him on Barbarous. Yeah. Now, Garrow was a Terran, so yeah. he did not. Uh, yes. So he was very hesitant to adopt these new changes. And yes. funny enough, Nathaniel Garrow, Garrow, I'm gonna go back and forth on that one. Yes. Yeah, um, was a member of the Lacticio de Nivitatis cult. Yes. One of the few Astartes who actually bought into that during yes. the heresy. He liked Lorgar's book. He for liked some Lorgar's reason. first book, yeah. The second book, maybe not so much. That had a couple too many demons in it, but the first book, yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, the Lacticio de Nivitatis was the cult of. It eventually became the official state religion of the Imperium, but yeah. at this time, it was the heretical teaching that the It was Lorgar's heresy fan fiction that yes. he wrote, as described by the Emperor, yeah. which is the direct which who's reading, upon, like the Emperor, upon reading this book, which he referred to as heretical fan fiction, then proceeded to glass monarchia. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk about the word bearers <laughs> and all of that eventually. Um, but yeah, so Gera was one of the few who actually believed that the Emperor of Mankind was a god. Um, so that rift between Gera, between the Terrans and the Barbarans came to a head during the Isfan Three atrocity, where the majority of the Seventh Company, Seventh Great Company. Uh, who was Nagaro's company, was deployed on the surface of Isfan 3 in preparation for it to be virus-bombed from orbit. Mm -hmm. Garrow, on the other hand, was not on the surface of Isfan 3. 
Arrow was on board a ship called the Eisenstein, mm-hmm. who was he was given command of the Eisenstein uh, by Mortarion because Mortarion wanted Garrow to not die. Mortarion was very fond of Nathaniel Garrow, right? Um, and he wanted him to kind of join the fold once the heresy kicked off. Garrow was not as keen as this as Mortarion wanted him to be, yes. and was given. Um, was given word by Saul Tarvitz, a captain of the Emperor's Children, yes. who f- warned Garrow that the um, Isfahan Three this was event a trap. This is a trap. It's a trap, yeah. yeah. And Garrow made all haste. Uh, he was uh, accompanied on the Eisenstein, unfortunately, by a man named Ignatius Grogor, the second cap- captain of the, the Legion. Uh, Grogor yep. was sent to keep an eye on Garrow. Garrow and Grogor get into a fight. Grogor gets detonated by a, by a loose virus bomb, essentially, and uh-huh. ascends to demonhood. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, you, so, you mean to tell me this guy, one man, tanks a bomb designed to kill a planet? Essentially. And then Nurgle goes, I like you. Yep. Have a cupcake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Essentially. And Grogor becomes a demon that haunts Garrow for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, I'm glossing over it, but Nathaniel Garrow and the remnants of the Seventh Company uh, on board the Eisenstein make all due haste towards Terra. They get intercepted by Rogel Dorn, I think, and yes. was uh, essentially uh, relay the news of the heresy. Yes. So with that, Nathaniel Garrow. We talk Garrow, about that a little more. I'm sorry, friend. We talk about that a little more. In the Emperor, in the fucking Imperial Fist episode. I swear I remember these things. Sometimes. Uh, Garrow eventually becomes a knight errant, uh, an agent of uh, an agent of Malkador the Sigilite, uh, which we'll talk about on its own, I think, because the knight's errant is the precursor of the Grey Knights. Right. Um, so if we ever do an episode about Matt Ward's favorite deus ex machina characters. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that then. Uh, so yes, Nathaniel Garrow becomes a, a commanding member of the, the Grey Knights, or not the Grey Knights, fuck. I'm already doing it. <laughs> of the Knights Errant. Uh, uh-huh. And he has, he comes back and forth in the story and he's there at the Siege of Terra and we'll talk about that on its own. Yes. Um, so with that though, Mortarion and the Death Guard now fully committed to the heresy. Um, are there on Istvan 5 during the Dropsite Massacre. They are a um, steadfast ally of the, of the War Master at this time. Yep. And eventually, um, once Prospero happens, uh-huh. the Khan, Jagadai Khan, lands on the surface of Prospero after the battle. Yes. Because he's like, what the fuck just happened? Lehman Russ tried to contact... Uh, the Khan and tell him what the fuck's going on, you know, Horus has betrayed us and the Khan basically says, I don't I can't trust anybody right now let me gather my thoughts and make which way heads or tails of all this so he lands on Prospero for like a fact-finding mission and Mortarion is waiting there for him and Mortarion essentially asks the Khan Jagadai Khan to to follow Horus, to betray the Emperor as well, um, because the Emperor's a hypocrite and Mortarion gives us some good insight here into his mind because he's saying to the Khan how he doesn't trust the traitors anymore. You know, uh-huh. while him being a traitor, yeah. he does not trust any of the other Primarchs because they are fed by the warp now. Right. He joined Horus to try to put an end to the witchcraft and the hypocrisy of the Emperor only to ally with people who literally used witchcraft and hypocrisy as a weapon now. Yes. So he's asking the Khan to help him stop that. Yes. And he's the, starting a second trait and he's starting a second traitorous insurrection inside the traitorous insurrection, which is currently still not yet known. Yes. By the wider period. Exactly. So it's a very interesting bit of insight into Mortarion himself because he, at this time, is just lost because he doesn't yes. know what the fuck's going on. He thought he was on this, the, the side of justice and, and righteousness, and here he is allying with literal warp users. With the, the very Fucking nerd sword. boy. Nerd boy, yeah. Uh, so that 
it's it takes its toll on Mortarion. Yes. After this, so while all of this is happening, Callus Typhon is still a psyker. Uh-huh. And has a couple good conversations with Grandfather Nurgle himself. Yes. Uh, at one point, Typhus stops Typhon. I, oh, I gotta have myself there. Typhon. Typhoid. Typhon stops referring to himself as Typhon and instead refers to himself as Typhus. Oh. Typhus would eventually become the chosen of Nurgle. He'd become the yes. herald of Nurgle and essentially the equivalent of Lucius, Karn, and Araman. Yes. Uh, so Typhus would eventually work its work ways of Nurgle. Um, Nurgle influence into the Death Guard itself. He would start its own kind of uh, warrior lodge, which we'll talk about when we talk about the word bearers and or um, the Luna Wolves. Yes. Um, but there, it's essentially a vector by means uh, corruption would seep in. Yes. He also becomes a literal hive of bees. Yes. He becomes the the uh, the destroyer destroyer, destroyer hive. Yes. Exactly. Um. Yeah, and it's kind of cool in the book and Barry Dagger how they uh, always mention the flies that sort of appear all around Typhus at various points. Yes. And it's like, it's gross as fuck, but it's really cool. Um, the whole book, the whole story of Mortarian is gross as fuck, but it's kind of cool. It is. I just looked up what the Destroyer Hive flies look like, and those are gross. Very. And millions of these little things just live within Typhus. Yeah, inside of him. Yep. It's gross. Typhus is a literal hive of disgusting bees. Exactly. Um, so, eventually, the Death Guard reunifies because they separated for means of strategic deployment during the Horse Heresy. Um, they yes. reunify Callus Typhon, or now, as he refers to himself as Typhus, uh, and Mortarion rejoin their fleets together and they make way to Terra for the siege. And during this this translating into the warp for the um, for the, the you know to relay themselves to the final battle, uh, they hit some bumps in the road. Yes. And Callus Typhon, who was cooking up a, a strategy, cooking up a grand plan, uh, acts now. So him and his kind of inner circle called the Grave Walkers or the Grave Wardens mm -hmm. um, frame the uh, frame the uh, astropaths and the basically the people who are navigated the navigators is what they're called. Yes. Uh, they frame the navigators as loyalists to the Emperor and uh -huh. that they were leading them astray and that they need to die. So. The first captain executes all the, the navigators and all the astro telepaths. Yep. But now who the fuck is going to fly the ship? Yes. So, hey, Martarian, remember the fact that I, Callus Typhon, am a psyker? Well, I'm sure I and my other psyker friends can definitely navigate us to Terra safe and sound. Yes, I, Callus Ty I, Typhus, I mean Typhon, your friend. Typhus, yes. I mean Typhon, your buddy. Yes, exactly. So, using that kind of my friend, your pal, Typhon, my guy, uh, he convinces Mortarian to let him and the other psychers, the other suppressed psychers of the, uh, the Death Guard to navigate them to Terra. And, which was a mistake, obviously. Yes. It is on this route that members of the Death Guard are inflicted with the Destroyer Plague. And the Destroyer Plague would literally eat through the Death Guard. Yes. The Destroyer Plague is the thing that lives inside of Typhus that gives him his bees. Yes. It's very horrifying, because it's... For those of you who know what botflies are, it's like that, but made of Satan. Made of Satan, yeah. Yes, that's an important distinction. It's horrifying, it's disgusting, and it's the most painful pain you could ever experience all at once. And he teleported them directly into the realm of Nurgle. Yeah. And so yeah. Mortarion himself was dying 
to this plague while watching all of his friends and dudes die to the destroyer plague. Which is and then horrendous. Nurgle, and then Nurgle himself apparently showed up. Bailey. And was like, hey buddy, how would you like to not be in pain anymore? Yeah. And then Mortez like, oh, please don't hit God, make it stop. And he's like, okay. And he did. And, he and then did. he gave Mortarian giant fucking bug wings. And then he got moth wings, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so in this deal, similar to that of Magnus, who we'll talk about next time, um, Magnus basically sold his eye to Zinch to save his sons from the flesh change. Mortarian sells his soul to Nurgle so that the Destroyer Plague wouldn't kill all of his sons. Mm-hmm. Which is sad, because it's almost nice. Yes. It's the one of the nicest things Mortarian did yeah. after leaving his planet of swamp-ass emos. Yeah. So, with that, the Death Guard have fully devolved into uh, servants of Nurgle, yes. and that change would come on very quick. Yes. Mortarian was made into one of the first demon princes after... I think Angron was technically the first Primarch Demon Prince. Uh, Mortarian is the second. Right. Uh, and it is then they translate, conveniently, they translate back into the solar system and everything's, you know, oh, we're only a couple minutes late. <laughs> Isn't that all convenient? Yep. <laughs> so it sounds like they would have made it on their own way anyway. Whatever. Um, so Mortarian and the Death Guard would then take part in the siege. Uh, they would stay for the entire siege, from what I understand. Like I said before the podcast, before we started recording, I'm not on Warhawk. Warhawk is the newest book in the Horus Heresy, talking about Jagada Khan's fight with Mortarian during the Siege of Terra. I'm not there, so I don't know what happens. I'm yes. still reading Mortis. I'm one book behind. It's very we assume, good. We assume at this point that Jagatai it gets on his giant Primarch-sized Mad Max bike runs circles around Mortarian, whose whole deal is survivability, and just voo, 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 speed blitzes him until Mortarian dies. Or yeah, gets most likely. Ass kicked. Yeah. That's probably what happens. We'll, we'll talk about it once <laughs> I read it. Right. So look uh, forward to the, to the first ever point, um, point five episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after that, the... After the siege is broken, obviously, like the rest of the traitors, the Mortarian and the Death Guard retreat onto um, the Eye of Terror. Yes, where they live on this planet called Plague World. The Plague, very original, very, very good name, very good naming. We're going to call it Planet Swampass. Planet Swampass. Yes. It is a demon world of Nurgle, obviously, in the Eye of Terror. Yes. And uh, it is there that... They take part in a couple of the Black Crusades, um, but they are really prevalent now in the 41st millennium, at the end of the first 41st millennium, beginning of the 42nd millennium, when Gilliman's back and up, up and at him. Mortarian invades Ultramar and kicks off an event called the Plague Wars, which we uh. talked about a little bit last time. Um, but it is... Mortarian essentially tries to solo kill uh, Rupert de Gilliman, uh, and cripple Ultramar, mm-hmm. and it is the events of the Dark, uh, the Dark Imperium series. Uh, very good. Um, Mortarian and Gilliman fight, and Mortarian almost kills Gilliman uh, until Mortarian is literally called back by Nurgle because Nurgle wants to launch a campaign against Corin. <laughs> so when you sell your soul to a deem- to a god of chaos, you're essentially their bitch, and they can call you back to fucking home base whenever they want to, and they do that <laughs> frequently. Which is representative of Mortarian's general treatment. This is a fairly short episode. It's shorter than the Emperor's Children. I think it might end up being shorter than the Emperor's Children. Maybe. But, so, in the interest of literary analysis, which is a thing that I do often because of the similarity of the word analysis to my name, um, Mortarian <laughs> has been kind of... Mortarian has had all of his moments of greatness stolen from him in some way or another. Mortarian, Mortarian's story from the beginning has been about trying to find a sense of agency, where from the very beginning he ended up on this planet, and he was spared from the very moment he was born. His, pl- his destiny was built for him 
by someone more powerful than he was. First by the emperor, who instead of leaving him to die in a mountain, left him, put, built a mansion where he knew the baby would live and then put him there. And then when, in the event that Mortarion would grow stronger and then be willing to serve him for some reason. Then, when Mortarion was going to kill Nakare, he, the emperor showed up and was like, ha ha, kill stolen bitch, free XP, even though the emperor is already at max level. Um, Mortarion was not happy about this because this was his big story moment and the Emperor just kind of and took it all from him and dragged, dragged him along in this great crusade. Mortarion was then manipulated by Horus because as I'm sure you know Horus was very lovable and charismatic and everyone loved him, don't ask questions why. Um, yep. Further, even though he didn't really believe in chaos, which Horus did, and Magnus did, and Fulcrum did, and even Perturabo did to an extent, and especially Lorgar, yep. Mortarion is special because he actively disdains it. Instead of viewing it as a, as something to worship like Lorgar, or as a tool like Perturabo, it is something to be feared and shunned. With the, except, with the possible exception, well, the possible technical exception of his best friend, Typhus, well, Typhon. Both. So, both, at this point, yes. So, we see for the first time, in the moment where Mortarion is talking with the Khan, we see Mortarion blue screen a small bit, where he's confused because he did, he's trying to do, so, he's trying to find a path for himself away from the will of the laughter of thirsting gods, as it were, but then he finds out that he sided with the people who enabled the who enabled his grant his adoptive father technical adoptive father Nakare to have power in the first place. Yep. And so then at the end of it all, when he's teleported into the realm of Nurgle, he is manipulated by Typhon, who is much more powerful than him in terms of psychic ability, because all of the Primarchs are technically psychers in some way. Yeah, to an extent. Yes. So Mortarian is manipulated by Typhus, someone who has more control over his life than he does, into killing all the astropaths and then teleporting him into the realm of Nurgle. The being who, let us let us not forget, empowered his empowered Nakare, the dictator of Barbarus, to ruin any kind of happiness that Mortarian had. So Mortarian, at his app, I will I will read that quote in a moment. At this absolute lowest moment of his life, makes a deal with Nurgle directly in order to see to it that the men who he regards, if not as his sons, then as his warriors and as the people whose responsibility it is for him to keep safe and alive, because they are his, he is their leader and they are his soldiers. He makes a deal with them to be infected with the horrible, to ensure that they do not die. Yeah. From the horrible swarms of death bugs that are surrounding them. And so Mortarian is infected by every single disease in the universe when he becomes a demon prince. We should mention, by the way, how the Mortar how um the fucking immunity to pain of Nurgle dudes works. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. this this is a greater degree of connection. Yeah. Um, would you like to do that or can I or should I? Go ahead. Yeah, you're in a roll. Excellent. So, ner so, like how every single chaos god represents an aspect of humanity as well as life in general, Nurgle is the god of disease and decay, but also, by that same merit, a god of life, because bacteria and fungi and rot and plague are the process by which new life is made, if not directly f direct forms of new life that simply exist in um, in opposition to current life, where you everything Nurgle's domain is everything from toe fungus to black mold, toe fungus yeah. to horrible flesh-eating mold. And if it bugs. makes it clearer, yes. Nurgle awoken as a god during the Black Plague. Yes, exactly. That is exactly what happened. So, the way all of Nurgle's and all of Nurgle's minions are all very happy. Like compared to all of Nur all of the chaos gods, feel emo a singular emotion all the time, whether it's Zinch and conniving, or Corn and anger, or Slanesh and the impenetrable, unyielding amounts of horniness. 
In Nurgle, it is joy because Nurgle represents decay and thus stagnation, an inevitable thing. And once a person makes peace with the fact that in all things there is an inevitable, inescapable end, it kind of makes people a little happier. You know? It's like... I feel like there's a thematic way to describe it, but basically, they're all sick, and because of how sick they all are, they view it as a kind of blessing because it gives them some form of twisted clarity. Yeah. Grandfather's so gifts. Yes. They all, all of Nurgle's followers refer to him as Grandfather Nurgle, or Papa Nurgle, but they all refer to him as very affectionate terms, and they don't, they call it spreading his gifts. Yeah. Mortarian, of course, is the angsty child of Grandpa Nurgle. In that, before um, Goleman woke up, he was sitting somewhere in a plague realm of Nurgle, plant petting giant monster bugs and listening to Reaper by Bathory at maximum possible <laughs> volume. So, the reason Nurgle Typhus, the reason Typhus doesn't feel the fact that he has like a plant's worth of corruption wasps living in his torso, is the fact that he is also currently overcome with every single disease in the known universe, and even some that are exclusive to the Chaos Realm. Yeah. Because when you become Nurgle's champion, you get all of the sicknesses. All of yeah. them. Every single one of them. And in a weird way, it all cancels out. Yeah. So you don't feel anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, no pain, no pleasure. Nothing. Nothing. Just, just dead of nerves. You're dead nerves and wheezing. Yeah. And diarrhea. Yeah, naturally. Diarrhea is also a thing. I just, I'm scrolling through Lexicanum as we're talking. There are new, we should talk about the leaders of the fucking uh, plague guard, the various plague houses, one okay. of which is called the House of Flux. Yeah. Which, yeah, if you not, don't know. It's not pleasant. <laughs> Yeah, which if you don't know, flux is an old-timey old timey way of saying diarrhea. Yeah. yeah it's kind of really gross when you really yes. think about it. And that's Nurgle's whole deal. Being really gross. I'm back in the Plague Wars. I gotta go back to the actual Death Guard page. So, the reason Typhus doesn't feel the bugs that live in him, the reason the plague marines can have their intestines hanging out of their armor and have horns and protrusions and be covered in rot and pustules so gross it melts through their armor is because they just straight up are bundles of dead nerves. Because that is Nurgle's blessing. When you no longer, when you are immune from fear, you're immune to fear of death, to pain, to sickness, to wheezing, and can't smell anything besides yeah. the B.O. of 10,000 dead oxen. Yeah, exactly. Everything becomes very clear. Uh, there is life, like... and there is death, and you share these gifts with as many people as you can. I spread the grandfather's gifts. Yes. The I would just like to point out that in uh, the modern timeline, Typhus's ship, the Terminus Est, literally radiates disease to a degree that it contaminates real space around it. Wow. Yeah, it's disgusting. Isn't the Terminus S the one that looks like a living like mass of like meat and yes. rock? It looks, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It looks absolutely disgusting. Terminus S. I just typed that in. Terminus S. Death Guard, the Terminus S Warhammer. Yep, it is emanating clouds of fart gas into space. Yeah. It is gross. I don't want to look at it anymore. Nope, me either. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, there are. So the Death Guard at this point, so the Death Guard's philosophy of like through inner through strength, internal strength and fortitude, one prevails mixes really well with Nurgle. Because Nurgle's whole deal is if you survive getting turbo cancer and mega AIDS at the same time while also dealing with a level 9000 case of the flu, yep. You are worthy of me. Yeah, exactly. So 
at this point, so after a while, according to the thing, during the heresy, they gained this kind of error. In the beginning, they believed that humans should not be oppressed at all and that hardship should be faced with faith in inner strength and resolution. Yes. And eventually it became into the weak must die from sickness. Yeah. Which is a definite similar sort of thing, different yes. conclusion yes. based on the same kind of response. Yes. And eventually, um, blah, 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 blah. So the Nurgle, so because they are servants of Nurgle, Nurgle likes to send his various little friends with him, such as a Nurgling, which is a little ball of snot and grossness. It's essentially about the size a, of a child. A, it's a disease gremlin. Yes, it's not small enough to be. A, it's not big enough to be a goblin. It's a gremlin. They're small. They the Death Guard kind of use them to carry armor or as fun little friends. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And um, because the Death Guard feel no pain, their strategy consists of very slow death marches toward the enemy while chanting about "Come give your old Uncle Swampy a hug." Essentially, yeah. You could literally put a, a, a Laz Cannon bolt through a Death Card uh, Chaos Space Marine, through a Plague Marine, and like literally searing a, a football-sized hole in his chest, and he will continue to walk towards you. Yep. And they don't even really need to hit you to kill you. No. If you get much like in real life, I'm sure those of you who know what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about. Some people just have a radius of poison around them. And I'm not like not talking about personality, literal. <laughs> if you walk close to them and you breathe their air, you take poison damage. Yeah, you take real life poison damage. <laughs> Those of you who are listening, if you or a loved one suffers from the ability to deal a D12 of poison damage, um, just 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 throw soap at him. Take a shower. Yes. <laughs> this is a PSA from your friends, the Battle Brothers. If you or a loved one have been known to kill small animals by standing next to them, this is your sign. Do Bave. it. Do it. Do <laughs> it or I'll find you. <laughs> he will. <laughs> Bathe. That Bathe. is that is a that is a threat. <laughs> that is a threat. I'm conversing with legal now, and that is a threat. <laughs> You are our legal department. I what am our legal about? department. You're, that's a good point. <laughs> so, Mortarian... So after the plague... After the great scouring where all the, the Primarchs who won through rocks, the Primarchs who lost back to the Eye of Terror, these creations called the Mantles of Corruption happened. Yeah, right. They're effectively their Chaos Lords, which include the Lord of Contagion, which actually may have stuff written about, the Lord of Flux, the Lords of Parasitism, the Lord of Poxes, the Lords of Virulence, and the Lords of Withering. Yeah. Only They're like two of these guys actually piece. have articles. Yes. Yeah. So, on the tabletop, the Death Guard is one of the most supported uh, Chaos Space Marine Legions. Uh, mm -hmm. They just got a new codex recently. Um, because of all this, the Plague Wars stuff about the Gilliman coming back and fighting Mortarian, uh, Mortarian got an updated model. Um... They got new vehicles, um, they got new Alerta Contagion, new model came out. Uh, this is all within the last five years. Um, all uh, late, later 8th edition stuff. Um, and very, um, you know, they're, they're actually being tended to as, uh, as, a, as an army. Uh, whereas every other, up until about three weeks ago, Okay, when GW released new Eldar models and new Chaos Space Marine models, like a new um, Warp Smith model, um, and I think different variants of Chaos Space Marines, uh, the Death Guard were the most supported Chaos Space Marine Legion. Mm hmm. Which is funny, because in the books, they are the least supported Space Marine. They are the least supported. No yeah. one wants to talk right about the Swampy Boys. Nope. Which is a shame, because much like many we here at the Battle Brother cast lament the stupid decisions of GW on like an episode on an episode by episode basis. This isn't going to be another one of those episodes, you guys. This is an interesting concept. Yes. A legion of a see people don't chaos people as a whole don't really like 
Nurgle too often as a thematic thing beyond ooh zombies, ooh plague mon ooh plague monsters. Whereas they don't really which is to say they don't really talk a lot about Nurgles, like about Chaos Space Marines of Nurgle. Yeah. Because Chaos Space Marines of Nurgle, in my opinion, are the most terrifying. Yes. Because a Chaos Space Marine of Zinch will teleport into war, will throw magic at you and burn, blow up a building. A Chaos Space Marine of Corn will run at you screaming for going all forms of stealth ever yep. and give you a heads up to at least try and hide. Yep. A Chaos Space Marine of Slanesh will be playing loud, horrible, idiot, like loud, horrible, hard bass at maximum volume and pop your eardrums instantaneously before doing unspeakable things to you. Yeah. But a Plague Marine of Corn just... Nurgle. Sh Nurgle. Sorry. Just walks up. They have heavy... They have heavy... They have heavier weapons, sure. Like, vi like they have very like viral tanks yeah. and corrupted titans and everything else that a regular space marine legion has but the average space marine of nurgle just walks at you and if any of you have watched friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street that's terrifying that's pretty bad yeah because bad. I, i'm going to i am going to paint you the audio people a picture you are in the middle of a battlefield it is day 12 of this battle you have been here. There has been gunfire going on for 12 days. You've been firing at the enemy, and they've been firing back at you. The smell of war is upon this field. It is upon this place. It smells of death, disease, gunpowder, laser burns, and everything in between. So much so that you don't notice any other smells until it's too late. You look down at your hands, and suddenly you watch as horrible blisters start to crawl on your skin, and insects dig up from the swampy, from the trenches beneath you, and burrow through the rubber soles of your feet. You hear this a thousand locusts flapping their horrible, rattling wings as a swarm blots out the sun and descends upon you. You and a couple of others manage to fight off the swarm, but as you do, you hear a chanting. So, the sun is being blotted out by horrible plague locusts that dig into people's eye sockets and open mouths and nostrils and ears, and you hear the sounds of crunching as these things, the size of like a late, the size of like a wallet, dig into people's faces as cockroaches pour from their mouths, and as your hands rot off, the last thing your ears hear before you rot away is Peebles from Project Pus, Boils, Bogies, Rotten Pus, Blisters, Fever's Wicked Sores, from your wounds the faster pours. And you see an army of dudes walking across the field being blasted to pieces by artillery fire. They lose their, some of them lose their arms, their legs, but still keep going. And as they get closer and closer to you, your eyes slowly start to haze over from the mucus before you get shot in the chest. And as you are dying, you are cradled in your head. Your body is being cradled and admired by the other plague marines. And the last noise you hear is, what a beautiful bouquet of blisters. As your brain falls out of your head from your rotting skull. Wasn't that cheery? Yep. So all of you pe so you people who emailed me, emailed us, the Battlebrothercast at gmail.com, um, to yes, we say the full name every time. Yes, um, of course. To talk about how comforting our voices are. Was that not, was that soothing? Was, was that, that good? soothing? Was that good enough? <laughs> you want them to do it again? <laughs> I will. Whenever we get to Zinch, I can break out the I can break out the SAT vocabulary. Oh yes, of course. There will Absolutely. be a test. Yes. So, do we have anything else to talk about? Well, post yeah, we talked about the Plague War. Blah blah blah. He fought Perturabo at one point in yeah, this the, conflict uh, called Rust, the War of Rust, Rust and Ruin. Ruin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a fight. Stuff happened. 
But because yeah. they're both demon princes, they die and come back. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Demon, f demon on demon fights don't really have consequences. There are zero consequences. Yes. The only thing they lose are manpower, because um, they're traitors. It's hard to get for them to get like new recruits. Um, but the majority of the fighting is like demons, like Neverborn, yeah. and they yeah. don't die. Yeah, they just come back. The only yes. reason they die is if like a blank kills them, like a sister, of, not a sister of battle. What's the other one's called? Sister of Silence. S Silent Sisters. Yeah. Uh, if, if they kill them, or if, like, the Emperor cuts them in half with his yes. weird flaming sword of fuck-off. Yes. <laughs> That's an item for a D&D campaign, a flaming sword of fuck-off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, in conclusion, GW, um, we know you just made a book about Nurgle, I mean, I mean about Mortarian, and, uh, it's good to see him getting more love, it's good to see Jagatai Khan getting more love. Which means, everyone, we're gonna call this next shot. We're getting a Corvus book in the future. Yep. We're calling that one right now. Yep. We're gonna see how well. Because we've dealt. We did it with Krieg. We did it with the Tau. We did it with the fucking elves. We did it with the elves. And now, we're going to do it again. We're getting a Corvus Korax book. Corvus Korax. Yeah. Number 19. Here we go. We're getting a Raven Guard book in the future. Maybe. We don't know. We'll see. Most likely. Anyway. These guys, Mortarian's story. A lot of the chaos, a lot of the chaos, um, the chaos primarchs are very, have very interesting stories because it's interesting to see them, like every primarch has the, mis has the major, every primarch has, is basically like a series of bullet points. That's what most characters are. And it's interesting to see these characters fall back on the same bullet points. Yeah. Where Mortarian falls back on the same bullet point of people, well, basically beyond, of forces beyond his control. Which in a weird way actually ties him to Nurgle even harder. Yes, exactly. Because the whole yeah. domain of Nurgle, the whole point of the domain of Nurgle is that there will always, there are, there are things beyond your control. And in yes. accepting it, there is peace. Exactly. Which is why the Nurgle, that, which is why, you know, in the same token of Nurgle being the god of sickness and decay, Nurgle is also the god of life. And change. Because, yes. No. Zinch is the god of change. Yeah, you know, Nurgle is the god right of inevitability. That. Entropy, yeah. Yes, inevitability. Eventually things die, and that from that death there is life. Very true. It's mushrooms growing out of a dead tree, mold yeah. growing on a flies living in a corpse. Destroyer bugs in the skeleton of a psyker. Yep. This is Nurgle. And this, this is, is Mortarian. Yeah, so Mortarian's whole deal can be capped with just um, sad, inevitable hypocrisy. Yes. Which brings us to our night, brings us to our episode by episode quote thing. We do quotes every episode. I think. I don't Possibly. remember if we did a quote the last time. We probably did. Probably. Last one was Ultramarines. We probably have a couple of... Yeah, we did a quote on um, fucking Bobbert. Yep. So, it is now time for me to break out the Cobra Commander voice one last time. I am not like you. I do not wallow in this corruption. I use it. I control it. I set bounds on it. A quote from me, Stank Dick Morty, Primark of the Unwashed, Plaguebringer, and literal fucking Grim Reaper of 40k. Mortarian out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty fucking good. Thank you. Stank Dick Morty himself. Yep. Okay, and with that, uh, next time is Magnus the Red and the Thousand Sons. Yes. Number 15. Burger King foot lettuce. Burger King foot lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm going to be able to use my lol so rant because, because of the nature, brief aside everyone, because of the nature of Zinch and his whole abilities, his abilities are based around magic and also confusion. So it makes sense that I can bring up memes from the fucking ancient days that some of you straight up won't understand. Yeah. Magnus yeah. can has cheeseburger. 
<laughs> so get ready for that. I'm going to be compiling a list. <laughs> All right, good. So join us next time when we cover that. And um, yeah, I think that's it. This has been uh, the Stinktic Morty and the Smelly Boys. Excellent. Ave Imperator. Ave Imperator.